Episode 41. It's amazing. I love that. Uh, special guest today. Very uh, special guest. Not only a special guest, but also a very great friend of ours and uh, somebody that we look up to and uh, admire and uh, can find inspiration in sometimes. 100%. Yeah. So we can do this right now. Let's get into it, bro. Interview with the one and only Static Selector. Two decades of doing this guy. Yeah. This guy has done... I'm proclaiming it right now. All right, do it up. More for hip hop, yes, than people know. Oh, way more than people understand. He has never veered from hip hop. Stayed there, in that lane. Many DJs have, have gone yeah. Latin root, have gone the top forty, have gone pop. Yep. This man is hip hop. Hip hop. And about a year ago, close to the state, I met up with a DJ, a track. And we were talking about hip hop, and he said there are two people in hip hop. Yeah, and I cl- and I claim this quote: there are two people in hip hop. One who just passed away, rest in peace, K. Slay. He said there are two people in hip hop: there is K. Slay and the Static Selector. And I'm going on that quote. Facts. And I love that quote. It's amazing. So we welcome you, Static Selector. Yeah, one time Static from live from New York, live from New York. Yeah, man. Yeah, the QB. So moved over there. What, 04, 05? 04. Not to mention this man has had. He just, you're just coming off the radio right now on Sirius. Yeah. Shade 45. 15 years? 17? How long you been on there? Uh, eight, uh, basically 17 years since I've been here. So Damn. I started probably six, seven months in. And the, the, the show has just changed over the years, you feel? Or it just stayed the same? Well, it used to be, shout out to Clinton Sparks. It was his show originally with Smash Time Radio. Yeah, that's why I remember. I would, do like, I would do like the second hour. And then um, he, you know, he kind of moved away from the hip hop shit and started doing more dance and club music. So towards the end of his show, I was doing the whole show. And then um, they asked me, they're like, yo, you just want to make it your own show because Clinton was moving on. So it became show off radio in probably 08. Amazing. Wow, that's awesome. Do you think you have one of the longest? It has to be one of the longest shows on on Sirius, no? On Shade. Yeah, definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. On Shade, right? Definitely. On Shout out to Premier, who I know you said the K Slay uh, static thing, the A track said, but I, I don't gr- know how you. Premier is like. That's the third one. I, I, K obviously. Um, who, who was definitely a um, big part of my experiences in New York City and dealing with the kind of hip hop I make and DJ with. K Slay was a big, uh, just a big part of it. He was there for my whole journey and was always looking out for me. So rest in peace to him. But uh, the reason I brought up Premier is because he just actually had his last show last night of uh, his serious show. He's not. He's oh, no really? Yeah, how, yeah. how long was he on for? 15 years. So wow. I mean, 
I'm, I've been on longer, but I've been, uh, it hasn't been show off radio longer. So as of now, I might have one of the longest mix shows on there. So, same with Tony Touch. Shout out to yeah. Tony. Oh, yeah, Tony. Tony, what, yeah, of course. Was it on yeah. Thursdays, too? Is it still on Thursdays, Tony's part? I mean, he had the Toka Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah Toka Tuesdays. Oh, it was on Tuesdays. Oh, it used to be before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Your show used to be on Thursdays because not too many people gave me a shot in New York City. But Static and shout out Sammy Needles did, and I appreciate you so much for allowing me to come up and rock Shade Forty Five with you guys. Yeah. It's kind of a couple occasions, you know what I mean? It meant a lot to me. So no, no, I I've actually that. been on the radio on Thursday nights since I was uh, fourteen years old. <laughs> That's I started crazy. in nineteen ninety six doing like college radio by default, but it was really high school radio at Phillips Academy. I didn't go there, but I went to the high school in the town, yeah. and they had to let at least four people every semester have a show there. So I, I used to sign up, write my essay on why I should be there and I would get it every time. So I was on the radio there for about uh, two or three years. And then when I moved to Boston, I started doing 88.9 and 97, That's eventually amazing. jamming. But I've been on Thursdays pretty much almost my whole life. So it's Thursdays are a special, special night. It's amazing. So we're going to play, we're going to do a little like wordplay action. I'm just going to drop some, some words and then you describe what it means to you. Um, I think the first one, as you just said, is WPEA. Yeah, I mean, that's my start with radio. I really, like, it set the precedent for how I was going to hustle my way through the industry because I would literally call labels and, like, tell them that my home address was the station's address, and they would <laughs> set records to my house. So I was a high school kid getting all these records sent to his house, and that's I kind of did that through the mixtape game. I, I just, I've always been hustling things, not in like a sneaky way, just in a way that I can make it work and yeah. get the records heard and just finesse it, you know? That's a, and that's plus, a, back then, to have a new record or break records was a little bit easier, and it was, well, you still have that opportunity. We kind of like lost that in the club scene, but you have the, you know, Shade 45 show that you could still break music, so it must feel great, and you've been doing it since you were 17 breaking records is, is, yeah, is 14 14 so, i'm sorry so we're talking when we talk about mixtapes what does john legend's mixtape mean to you that, that mixtape's crazy because um shout out to justin springer a promoter from boston oh he, that's the one who got me started when we used to dj yeah yeah he's he's the one that uh got so close with john so early when he was working with kanye and like literally while they were working on college dropout justin had met him and got cool with him and um, at the time, you know, I was I had just moved to New York. I was doing I was heavy in the mixtape game and and doing his tape. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And it came out cool because he actually chose a lot of the records on it. It was a lot of classic soul That's and all that. But um, looking back, it's bananas because like I was the first one that would even do a tape with John Legend. That's so and uh, it always it was always one of my mom's favorites tapes too. Shout out to her. Shout out to mom. And uh, same thing with Akon, man. I did Akon's first mixtape as well. Wow, amazing. That's so dope. again, speaking of mix, and they're definitely in timeless mixes to this day. They're still relevant. You know what I mean? Speaking of timeless mixtapes, the yeah. series was called "Spell My Name Right." Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Then. Uh, my first album was called Spell My Name Right. So I had 10 volumes to spell my name right from 2001 to uh, 2006, maybe early 2007. And then I called the album that because it only made sense. You know, at the time, not many DJs had really done albums yet. So I was really looking up to Khaled. And me and Khaled were like kind of, I was 
doing a lot of parties with him. He was looking out for me because I was on the radio. And like I had known Khaled for a long time, but watching him put out albums independently with all those artists on it was really influential to me. That's amazing. Obviously, the blueprint for that for me was like uh, The Peacemaker with Tony Touched in with his album. Yeah, that's probably one of the first ones for sure, right? Because it was so hard to get... Yeah, albums like done as original a, as a records. DJ. Is yeah, different. yeah, it's hard. But the difference that, that I did more than anybody is that I produced and mixed every record on the album. Wow! Like shout out to Khaled and Tony, but they they didn't do that. So it's like I was not only getting the artists to be on all these songs, like over thirty five artists on the first album, Oof. but I was like doing wow. the beats, doing the cuts, and mixing the records as well. So amazing! amazing. I had to go from zero to one hundred because before that I wasn't known for my beats like that. I had a couple placements, but that album was like my my calling card. So we're going on that. Actually, we mentioned Justin Springer. Love Justin, everything like that. SW1, you remember that? Yeah, that was... Uh, 51 Winter Street, Boston, downtown, remember? SW1. Remember? It was, I do, it was it next to... Uh, next to um, it, was, it was downstairs. Oh, wait. No, it was next to Dino's, right? In Chinatown? No, no, it wasn't in Chinatown. It was in downtown Crossing. It was one of those songs. Oh, with it, Sugar Shack next to Sugar Shack? No, not not. The, it was <laughs> it was on it was on Winter Street downtown Crossing, and Justin Springer was running, and it was this tiny little club, and he had to go downstairs, and it was, it was dope. Across from Hip Zeppi. Yes, there you go. I do remember. Third time's a charm. That's where, that's where I met John Legend. And he was that's crazy. And I was I was DJing, and that was the first time I ever saw Static. DJ, it must have been like um, 01 or something like that. Man, yeah. That's crazy. And the, it was this little, probably hold like 100 people. And Justin Springer was the promoter and he had static come and it was this little dope spot. Yeah. Little, yeah I like yeah. little dope little spots. I got like a that. crazy story about that club. Please. One time R. Kelly came to the club. Do you know? Oh, he shows, just got, by the way, just got 30 years, 30 years just now. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. <laughs> that's I crazy. mean, I don't want to start talking about no, that. No, yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, R. Kelly came to the club. This shows how ridiculous Boston can be, though. Because, you know, like those days, the, there was dress code and all that. Oh, it was yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, this dude shows up wearing a Celtics uniform, like repping for Boston. Yeah, and yeah. they wouldn't let him in the club because he didn't have pants on. No and this way. is when R. Kelly was like, King that's the most Boston him. shit of all time. Yeah. Like, I always, I always tell I told this story all the time. Buster Rhymes wasn't allowed in the club because of shorts, and he did in the third person. Are you not going to allow Buster Rhymes in the club? <laughs> Buster special. No, but I mean that's just some some classic Boston shit right there. Yeah. That's my memory from SW1. That's crazy. Um. So then we'll go from SW1. We'll go to one more. It's Bill's Bar. I was going there for like underground rap shows. Mm-hmm. I started going there for the club nights that Bruno was doing. That was different. Shout out to Bruno. And, uh, Bruno Dreads or DJ Bruno? Or both? Nah, DJ Bruno. Oh, Shout yeah. out to Bruno Dreads. Yeah. No, I had an epiphany in Bill's Bar one night. So I was doing Tell a lot us. of DJ. I was doing a lot of DJs battles in high school and I would I would win a lot of them and my mom wouldn't let me really travel that far to go uh to go to the finals a lot of times. So I was frustrated as it is. But when I started doing my thing in the clubs in Boston, Bruno was like, yo, I'm going to pay you to judge the DJ battle. Wow. And he gave me like $500 or some crazy. Uh, maybe it was like $400, $300, who knows. But I remember the winner of the DJ battle got like $150. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you won. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> sick. How am I getting paid more to judge? Than <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Just take it. No questions, please. <laughs> spell, my, spell my name right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. That's um, actually, yeah. So I don't know if you were there at this time, but 
at Bill's Bar, what he was saying, they did a lot of underground stuff. That's the first time Eminem came to Boston was at, oh, that's at Bill's amazing. Bar. Yeah. It was at Bill's? I thought it was at the Middle East. No, just to come. Well, maybe it was it was after oh, party. After me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was after party, maybe after the Middle East. Yeah, that's probably right. We'll, yeah, that makes sense. We'll go. Uh, we'll go with this one. Crates the store. Yeah, man, that was my record store for. I mean, we had the office for a long time, you know, show off marketing and indie pro. Mm-hmm. But crates was a thing that lasted from. I want to say July 1st, 2003 to July 1st, 2004. Like, <laughs> as soon as it was over, I was out of there. It was like I was over. Where, where was that? Was that was it an actual brick and mortar store? Yeah. It was, it was a- four. It was 418 Tremont Street. It was next, oh, wow. it was yeah, next yeah, to a yeah, pizza yeah. shop, right? It was the re- it was the record pool, New England DJ Association. I remember Indie, indie Pro. It was, indie a, pool it was too, uh, next to Roma Pizza. What? Uh, Eddie Q, no? Yeah, Eddie Q was my partner in Show Off Marketing. Awesome. And then uh, they had the record pool in the back. And the, the front of the store, we just had so many records. And Eddie Q, uh, rest in peace to his mother, she passed away. And she had a whole house full of all the records Eddie was getting through all the 90s. Wow. Really? So we had, like, literally every 12-inch an album that came out from, like, 90 to 2003. That's it was crazy. bananas. And not only so we that, took the collection like- and... Chopped it up, sold it. So it was it not was, even it that, cool. but there's probably like mad promo pressings that oh, yeah, you know, that are like yeah, that are like limited. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. to Lazy Boy. Shout yeah. to Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy. Yeah, lazy yeah, Boy yeah, has yeah. half of it in his house right now. We uh, were just talking about you. We, we just, yeah, we were Brawn and Lazy. We I was with Brawn and Lazy Boy. They're taking He's me. He's the biggest hoarder I've ever met in my life. So they're taking me to Nantucket in a couple weeks. So I don't know what to expect. Speaking of records, do you still have your collection, or what do you do with it? Storage, or I mean, I probably have a tenth of what I used to have, but I have right. a lot of records in the studio. Do you like, use that a lot for in terms of production and producing new records and things yeah. like that? I Do still you, spend yeah. a couple thousand dollars a month on records just for sampling. Amazing, wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. amazing. And where do you have these at your studio? Yeah, so I have there's this dude named Gene Brown, he's kind of like the, the dealer to the stars, like he sells to Pete Rock, uh, DITC, like right. he sold a lot of stuff to Pharrell and Kanye, Q Tip. Um, but I'm like still buying them the way they, they used to. So like, I'm still going crazy. I, I spent like 2,200 last week on a stack from him that I've already made into some, but like, I probably did three records on my new album with those already. Like it's all worth it to me. Yeah, it is. It's gotta be. So you, you mentioned all those big names and everything and that you've done. Obviously again, the most for hip hop and things like that. Has there ever been a person that you wanted to work with that you haven't yet? I know you just said Q Tip and and Pharrell and stuff like that. Has there ever been a person that you looked up to? I mean I knew you looked up to Premier and Premier's like your best your you know, it's how close you are to him. Has there ever been somebody that you've looked up to that you haven't worked with yet? I mean, obviously I want a record with Jay. I signed a Rock Nation five years ago, but it was like I still haven't got that record that I wanted to get. Mm -hmm. So Hopefully it happens on this two chains album. I know it's a conversation. If we get him, that's gonna be the last feature because the album's done. Um, I know he's working Breaking on something. News. <laughs> I mean, Jay Z is like the ultimate for me. I mean, I've worked with Eminem, Nas, everybody else you could possibly think of. Yeah. So either Jay or uh, Kendrick. I haven't got to work with Kendrick yet. No. Well, I worked with everybody else in Black Hippie. Did, did you see the? Uh... Did you watch the uh, Louis Vuitton uh, thing that he did? I seen oh, parts of it. God, that was fucking dope. It made me emotional. It was so beautiful, dude. Yeah. It really was, yeah. man. Wait till you hear Joey's album, man. Kendrick might, I think he's going to win album of the year at the Grammys, like yeah. overall. Yeah. But when people hear this Joey album and this 2 Chains album, 
I'm, I'm getting two nominations. That's why I, to- yeah, no, I, 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 I told him. That's why I told him. Love it. Love it. Love it. We were uh, playing together a couple of weeks ago at Somewhere Nowhere, and I said, I think this is the. I think this is when uh, Static's gonna yeah. get this Grammy, dude. What's up, Harley? Hey, Harley. <laughs> so, go go going in that kind of stuff. Let's get into 1982. Yep. Oh, what a great yeah. Great year. Well, he, he has a question for you, actually. You did 1982. Well, that's, you know, the thing. 1982 right? is a, kind of me and Terms version of Gangstar. Right. right. We were both, we were both born in the same hospital in the same year, which is bugged out because we didn't meet till, uh till we were 16. And rest in peace. And I got to say, rest in peace to Terms, Terms' father yeah, yeah. passed last night. Yeah, so. rest in peace. So, so let me say this. 1982, we do a lot of things with years. You had the 2000. Right? What? The 2000, was it a record or? No, 2012. I know, but you do a lot of things with years. Like 1982, you did 2000. Oh, no, 2000's Joey's thing because he did 1999. Yeah, yeah. No, the 1982 is a group. No, I know. I understand that. But did you have influence on Joey naming it? Oh, yeah. Off of you doing 1982 with Term? Nah, I don't think so. He called it 1999. I mean, he was four years old in 1999, so <laughs> Joey has a whole way of explaining it. All right. Oh, okay. All right. I just know that. So give us a, give us the, the rundown on term amazing, yeah, so, amazing Lawrence, Massachusetts. One of the, again, one of the, I think, legendary people from this area. So, yeah, give us 1982. So me and Term met at a club in Hampton Beach. I used to do an under-21 club there back in... This was like 98, and he used to come up to me at the end of the night every night. Like, we do an open mic, and he would rap every night. He'd be like, I want to battle Mr. Lift. I want to battle this person, all these people. And, you know, he was just this kid from Lawrence. And then uh, that next school year, I remember just – I don't remember how we used to communicate. We used to have to call each other's house because there was phone, no yeah. – oh, yeah. A landline, dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we would call the landline and, like, be like, hey, want to do a sleepover? And i go stay at his house and make pizza. <laughs> or you guys page each other. <laughs> yeah, nah, it was like – he used to come up to my mom's crib and like that's amazing we just we just had a bond over hip-hop and then we kind of had a uh like i said it was hard to communicate so when i graduated high school went to boston and moved downtown i didn't talk to term for at least uh probably two years mm-hmm. and then i seen he was doing his thing putting out records with a kid named dc so he had this exclusive uh forget who got it to me, but he gave me a record when I was like, now I'm killing it with the mixtapes. This is like 2002. Sure. And I put it on my tape and I remember Met The Man hosted it. Wow. And term, term was hype. So we That's talked funny. and then, you know, at this point there's like MySpace and all that or Friendster, some of that. MySpace. But we, um, yeah. When I moved to New York, that's when I started to see, like, he would come down and stay at my crib, run around the city. Yeah. We'd be in Premier's ear trying to get him a primo beat for, we, we try to get him a primo beat for so sure. long and that's finally cool. in, in 2006, we got Watch Out Go Down. I finessed that, and it, it ended up being like, you know, that's a classic, man. Like, it was such a big deal when we shot the video, and everybody in Boston came out for it. We had Edo in the video, and Shug. Amazing. Seven Hours with Tarek. Everybody came through. And that record just, like, was like an international underground hit. Like, Charm was getting booked all over the world off that one song with Primo. It's amazing. Beautiful. And we just kept it going. That's after that I started putting on my albums and putting him on records with people like Q Tip and Saigon and just aligning them with certain things. And it just we always that was like my road dog and 
Man, here we are that's so a, many years later. so amazing. So amazing. Still in the yeah, game so many years yeah, later, so many amazing. let alone. Yeah. What, what made you move? What was the decision in your head that you said, New Hampshire, Boston, I got to do New York? Or was it was it a a proposal from a business a serious radio that you had? No, nah, it had nothing to do with any of that. It was what, like what, what I was it? I've been going to New York since I was a kid, like buying records of Fat Beats and sure, Rock and Soul. To Fat Beats, yeah. So I was always going to New York, and it was like my plan to go to, straight to New York when I graduated. But I had a girlfriend in the last year of high school. Even though we broke up before, uh, I just started making my decisions around. I wanted to, you know, I had a love for Boston too. Like I grew up going to Boston. So it was like, I want to, um, I wanted to do my thing there first. And it was humbling going there because I got, I got humbled really quick when I got there. I was DJing a lot when I was in high school. Right. And when I moved, to, like when I moved downtown Boston, nobody gave a fuck. Like I had to start over and, you know, I was killing it up at the beaches doing like parties in Lowell and Lawrence and all that. Sure, yeah. Nobody gave a fuck. So I had to like start from scratch again. Yeah. I started doing street team stuff, mean labels through that. Shout out to Metro Concepts, which was my uh, first job at Boston. And then getting in with Bruno and getting in with Eddie Q and getting in with all the promoters out there. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I was watching 617 come up. Absolutely, yeah. They were. I I would see them outside Northeastern passing out flyers flyers all day. Yeah. How come you never in – in every DJ now, even Flex does, you know, Latin parties and top 40 parties and things like that. How come you've never strayed from hip-hop? Is it a, a, a decision that you made that you love it so much that you never went ab- It's funny because I do mad parties and play, like, disco and house music and all, all right. that. It's just all my right, name I, is I, so I, synonymous I, with the sound of my music. All right, that I, I fucked that whole one up. Never mind. Nah, it's yeah. all love. No, but I think, like, so, like, Bobby Condors or something like that, doesn't stray from reggae. I think of you as not straying from hip hop. I mean, I guess you proved me wrong, but yeah, I think of you as hip hop. I think of Bobby Conn as reggae. I think because yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just the brand. It's the brand. And well, I mean, you know, people come up reggae. to me at clubs sometimes. And they're like, "Damn, I thought you were gonna play the new uh, Action Bronson." I'm like, "Bro, this club is not about that." I'm playing. No, no, no. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing reggae and I'm playing this or that. Like I grew up playing reggae in in, in some house and sure. I'll do whatever. But if I get booked as static on a festival stage, yeah. I'm doing hip hop. Yeah, of course. Like so, last weekend I did uh Queens. We had like five thousand people in the park and action's like, yo, switch it up. Just basically saying what you're saying. He's like, Don't just do hippity hop. Bro, I went through every <laughs> genre of music and the whole crowd went crazy. Like so, that's awesome. So speaking of which we haven't mentioned, which is probably my intro to you and everything like that show off and show off to me in the past how, when did show off start it started in um With 2000 yeah. like 2002 2003 is show off marketing you because i wanted to like you own. be who else yeah shout out to bedlam eddie was my partner for a couple of okay. years in that um we had a whole team we had interns we had so then i started putting out vinyl with remixes in like oh three oh four and then it became a thing when we started putting on more music so show off records started in 2006 yeah. with terms first album and granite state's album so i don't know, i don't think you've ever met b nah. one of the greatest guys ever the greatest guys ever he is if you say like a, a hustler for things he's in everything you need him to be he is the person that will text you, come to this. He has a mind of its own, 
that does creative things. He like Beyond. that guy that has a guy for that guy for that thing. No, he's so creative. Yeah, oh, so okay. creative. He he does these events that are so creative that you wouldn't think of it as a promoter. Yeah, as a as being in the industry for twenty years, he comes up with these events that are so creative. And um, obviously his partner and everything like that. And I salute that guy. That guy is, I love him so much. Yeah, he's like a great, great man. And I'm sure you can attest to that. We met up going to clubs and all that. And then he started doing marketing through my street team company and all that. Yeah. And like, he was just my right-hand man for years. And I'm proud of that dude, man. He really has his place in, in history up there. He even moved to New York and did some shit in New York for a little while. Sure. But I think his heart is in Boston. And he just hundred percent. He's so Boston. New York's a tough Boston town. Shit. If yeah. you're coming from There's out a lot of town, for artists up there too. Yeah, New York, could, New York is, is, is hard to beat sometimes when you're coming from another place, man. Right. It's, it's a hard city. It beats you down, dude. So now that static corrected me and he plays. Other Thank things. you for that. Static. Um, let me ask you one question, then we'll go to the next segment. On the table. Drake album. <coughs> the Drake album? Yeah. I love it. He made a he made a house album, man. Yeah. That's pushing the limits. Like if he called it a hip hop album, we'd have an issue, but he don't call <laughs> no, it. No, no, he's true. saying it is he's calling no, it, but it's it, is not what even it is. In the, uh, this is why I'm happy for it, because I want people like Post Malone and people like that to take notes because when I see Post Malone get Hip Hop Artist of the Year at the Billboard Awards, that shit is whack. He's a pop artist. He's definitely right? a pop his, artist, yes. He, I love his music. He's a pop artist. Yep. Do not label that hip hop, man. That's why we're losing. Like, th- th- that could have gone to someone that really deserved it. Well, so, this is a con- this is Drake a- made a whole house album and it's labeled as dance music is amazing. Yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. We were talking about this before how this is a good question that's th- that we've discussed on the show before is, do you think there should be subgenres of hip hop now that it's changed so much throughout the years? Like rock music has heavy metal now and all these subgenres. You know what I mean? I think there is subgenres. I mean, people, but no, recognized by like, like as, I just don't like when they label I, shit that ain't hip hop. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, as far as the Grammys and all the awards scene, it just as hip hop. Yeah. You know, it should be subcategorized. I, I believe. The Grammys has been pretty pretty spot on for the last couple of years. I've been real happy that Nas got his Grammy finally. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy awesome. that Gibbs is up for a Grammy. This is like the nominations have been pretty hip hop, man. I, I like that. It's yeah. not like they were like giving them to like little pump and people like that before. Yeah, 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 At yeah, least yeah, now they got some. They got some like choices. So when we're speaking of hip hop artists and a lot of people will talk about Grammys and stuff and people get recognition, can you can you name? And you've done so much for so many artists. Can you name like five artists that you don't think get recognition as they should? As they should. Five. Um, I mean, I mean, you mentioned a couple when I, it was funny because you said Saiga. I mean, um, you said some other people. I think what's what's uh what's his name married to? He used to be he used to be under K Slay. Um, he's Papoose. Been, yes. Oh, Papoose. Remy Martin. Okay, um, give me four more. I mean, term for what term's done for so many artists. Love man. that. Love that. Artists. Buckshot. Papoose. I mean, Buckshot's a hip hop legend. So when I say him, I just mean I don't think he, like people understand the, the yeah. things he's done with Duck Down and like trying to. Duck Down's just done so much to help artists. And even like artists like Young and May are signed to them and they don't even, people don't even know that. Wow. So it's like, you know, shout out to Buck. Um How long were you with Ducktown? I put out shit five albums with them. Um eight population control, what goes around and 
extended play, yeah. Yeah. Um shout out to Duckdown, man. That's family. Give me give me give me give me a couple more though. Give me a couple more that that never got I mean Capital Steve's man, rest in peace. He passed away like right when he was about to take off. It was one of the biggest uh just such a loss, man. He he was you know, I, I came into the pro era fold right as they were taking off and I got to work with him on some songs and then Right away, he, you know, it's just a horrible story. Um, if we're gonna say that, we gotta say Big L too. Big oh yeah, L Big L for yeah, sure. He was sure, about yeah. to, he, he was about to pop at that time also. But he was already popping, but he was about to take it to that. Nah, next he was level. about to be like a next like level, he's a legend so. for us hip hop fans, but he would have been like on a different level if like the m- mainstream got to really see what he was like. I have a fun question. Give it. What? To you was the difference between fat beats and rock and soul, and which one um, had which one had more of influence on you? Wow. On the music I make, fat beats had. More. Of course, yeah, music, I know that. But coming play, up for coming up nah, like before honestly, you both were equal. yeah, yeah, both equal. Really? Because I go to I go to rock and soul to get the club records and the yeah. They had those bootlegs with like shout out to Ruben big, like seventies yeah, yeah, and eighties yeah. records to get the book carrying a. Crate full of old 80s records yeah, that were yeah. mastered horribly. You'd have the bootleg, <laughs> a loud version. Yep. And they had like six or eight record, different songs yeah. on there. Shout out to yeah. Ruben. Ruben yeah. used to always hand me the book over there. Ruben was the man at Rock and Soul. So, we're trying to get him on the podcast. Yeah, we're trying to get him on We yeah. want to hear the story behind the bootlegs. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, killer cuts and all that. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was involved in some of those, but I can't really talk about it. I that. heard, no, Braun mentioned something when he was on the show before about about you guys yeah. having a, a connect for bootlegs and stuff in the Boston area, for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk about this. You mentioned Nas earlier. What was it like the first time, obviously Nas, to me, icon, everything, to you, icon, everything. What was like the first time meeting him and working with him? Uh, it was dope. I mean, the first time I met him was probably back in Boston, but second time I met him was in New York and I was doing my thing with the mixtapes. So when he seen the tape I had, he was like, how do you, how do you have this song on it? The tape set up for the new song. Does that make you, did it, it make you feel uncomfortable? So he was like, like how that? And then, um, I had him do some drops for my mixtape and I did this mixtape called the prophecy and it was all unreleased Nas stuff blends all that. Wow. And I had later seen him at premiere studio in like Oh five, a year later. And Nas is like, yo, you made the fa- my favorite mixtape ever. He's like, no one ever made a tape like that for me. Holy so God, he was like, I was everything. And I was in the studio with him and premiere. And I was the reason they were both there. I was like, I was really on premiere for a while. Like get Nas over here. So one night, he just called him and was like, yo, I'm in the studio. Pull up. Wow, and that's fucking 30 amazing. minutes later, Nas walked in. So it was <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's so amazing, now, dude. It's a long story, so I'm going to fast forward through it. So fast forward another year, I had the um, the Jay-Z and Nas by, uh, Black Republicans, and nobody had that. So I did a whole mixtape. It was a big deal. There's a, there's a longer story behind it. But basically, I dropped the mixtape, and it was like, people were like, what the fuck? Like, it was like one of the biggest exclusives ever, the first Jay-Z Nas record. Right. So I get a phone call and I someone tells me that Nas is looking for me and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Dope. So I just went straight to the source, man. I called Nas manager, Mike Brinkley, and he's like, yo, Nas wants you to do his new mixtape. 
because oh, the buzz funny. off this shit. No so way. I ended up doing the prophecy too, and that was official. Def Jam printed up like eighty thousand copies of the tape and gave them out around the world. Wow. That's amazing. So when when you moved to New York, right, and everything like so, we're talking about oh. You said 0405, right? 04, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 0405. Everybody on the on the block was selling August, August 04. That's what so I everybody was selling mixtapes on the block. What was it like when you would go to the block and it'd be like uh Craig G, fucking K Slay, SNS, SNS, everything like that. Who and kid? See, yeah, who kid? And seeing your mixtape like along with those like people selling on the block. Well, yeah, how yeah. cool was that? Yeah. That's an era that we'll never see again. It was such a beautiful era, too. It was an honor for cats like K Slay and who kid to give me exclusives during that time or give me drops or all that. Drama. I watched Drama's whole come up. Like Yeah. Do you think do you think mixtapes uh made hip hop the the bootleg mixtapes make hip hop Better for the for the for the expression of it, or better for like was it yeah. better was it for better? the community? Yeah, the community. A lot of artists wouldn't still oh, be yeah. around if they didn't have all that time to like just wild out and do what they wanted during that era. So you think like mixtapes mix spread the word of hip hop better than any other any other like source. station? Yeah, yeah. like Absolutely. you know, Kiss One Wait or Jamming or whatever. Because there's songs Absolutely. that they could put on mixtapes that they could never have on radio, and they they landed in in corners of the world that never even heard the shit. So it's like. This is pre-internet. Like, yeah, yeah, the that's the only never. way. Yeah. Are you big in Japan? <laughs> oh, you probably like a superstar. Into what? You know, like you're probably a superstar. Are you, are you in big Japan? in Japan? Yeah. Um, uh, oh yeah. So speaking of speaking of which, we're gonna do it like it's called this or that, and uh, we'll do a, we'll do a little this or that to, to this. Are right, you ready? You ready? Yeah. Korean barbecue or Peter Luger's. Korean barbecue all, all day. <laughs> I'm literally about to do it outside. I have a Korean barbecue grill in my house. No, you don't. Do you? Good. Yes, I'll be, I do. I'll be over there tomorrow uh, yeah, afternoon. Yeah. Boston NYC. Setup. Yeah, that's a setup. That wasn't fair, bro. Reasons. What the fuck? For different reasons, both. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, Boston sports for life. But as right. a city, New York City, don't come on. It's the greatest city in the world. I like that. Um. This is going to be hard. Jay-Z Nas. I can't do that, man. Sign right. the both of them. Okay. I ain't doing that. <laughs> man, you got it. This is a set. It's a setup, bro. You're yeah. like getting no, like. The next, one, the next one's even worse. <sighs> Alchemist premiere. <laughs> oh, we can't even go. It's two different things. Yeah. Man, who wrote these questions? I did not write these questions, Static. Please do not hold this against me, my man. I mean, you didn't invent this, bro. I've done a million interviews where they did the same thing, and I was like, I ain't doing that. Hell no. Turntable CDJs. That's a good one. Turntables. <laughs> I don't, but that's an easy question. We what? had turntables last time we were playing. What do you know to use? M44s? I like to, but the, nowadays it's hard to get them. Well, we were using phase. Motherfuckers yeah. be breaking them. Yeah. I got a stash. I'm sure you do. I from mean, so. uh, from Bergada, they were, had like tons sure that they do. weren't using anymore. I actually like I like Ortofans a lot because you can like be rough with them and bang them up, and they can get thrown around and shit. The Ortofans used to put in my bag without the without the the cover over them. They didn't never <laughs> went wrong, bro. When you were coming up, fourteen to seventeen years old, hip hop guy, three DJs that you thought were oh, that's a good it. question. Premier, Funk Flex, and Kid Capri were like my biggest influences. Oh, Kid Capri is like my fucking favorite. And Kubert, like, like right there. 
Cuber, yeah, but he was like in a totally different oh, lane. Like, yeah, he's he's an alien. Yo, he speaks I to aliens. Say, I yeah. to Q- Yo, Cuber came and picked me up in San Francisco at like four in the morning just to go back to him and scratch for an hour and then brought me back to the bus. Like he's like just all he does is love scratching and I love that. That's he owns amazing. It. I love that. Cut yeah, all those dudes, cut chemists, all those dudes would be uh, amazing, yeah. Yep. So are you coming up uh, are you coming up Friday for uh Joey Ballas? No, nah, I don't think I am, man. I, no. I got a lot going on here, and I'm catching up. Yo, this album has been very. Uh, it's a little bit delayed. Can we, can we go on on that? Yeah, speak on that speak because on that, uh, cause I, we don't want to keep you too long. When's this coming out? When's this coming out? Next uh, Monday. 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 All right, so the album's coming out July 22nd. Dope. We're dropping a single every week until then. Love that. Um, but, but Friday for the first, while he's in Boston, he's dropping the the second single off the album. I did the first one and I did the second one as well. It's called where I belong. So the, the fans are going to be happy. The album's incredible. That's we amazing. spent a lot of time on it. Young guru, uh, mixed it. Can I, um, can I, t- I interrupt you real I quick? I met young guru last week at push a T show. I love that guy. Yeah. His artist, Ruben Vincent's dope. He, that's why that's I say, yeah. All right, cool. Can we shout out some other people static? I mean, you're, Two, three decades into this, you've been an absolute legend, an absolute, you've made hip-hop, and I will attest to this, that you've made hip-hop what it is today. Obviously, there's, when we talked about different genres of hip-hop, you know, this is a trap, and this is this, and they, you are hip-hop, and we appreciate you, like, so much, and what you've done, and what you've kept to hip-hop. And, what uh, you've done for the culture. I hope, I hope this the culture like, alone. We're going to have to do a documentary on my old crib in Bushwick because those that was the time that like was allowing things like Griselda and and the new wave now. Like that was the work we were putting in there when it, when it started with, you know, Term and then Rex and Sky Zoo. And then all of a sudden, boom, Mac Miller's coming around, Action Bronson, yeah, Freddie yeah. Gibbs, yeah. Joey Badass. Well, uh, Sean P too, right? Sean P was there during all of it. And these all these artists are coming to my crib like early in their career, not Sean, obviously, but everybody else. Yeah. And like like Joey's first mixtape was done in the crib. Like Gibbs's first mixtape was done in the crib. That's why you had to go to New York, because then none of Action's that would have happened. shit was at my yeah. crib. Like yeah. all that shit like helped build this indie wave that now you got the Griseldas and even Rock Marcy used to be over there like kind of frustrated with everything and now look at Rock Marcy he's like one of the and then we did the rap camp out in LA at Alchemist Crib and you know I'd bring action over there and Kendrick would be there and then Schoolboy Q and then Mac would Mac would be going over there and Migos would be there with Mac like so many names came together in these like two spots so speaking of which we went to I mean um, Benny the Butcher did this I thought it was one of the best hip hop shows I've seen. He went with me. Yeah, was Benny was great, man. Sad. Shout out to Griselda. You t- give me. We're gonna finish this off, and we've taken way too much time. I know you got Harley and everything over there. I'm literally about to have a barbecue in five minutes. <laughs> a Korean barbecue. You couldn't wait till is tomorrow, it, yeah, man. Is it Korean barbecue. Oh, sorry, oh, man. Man. I couldn't wait till man. tomorrow. Oh, look at that. oh wow. Look I'm that. heading to New York tomorrow, um, man. Can you give us? Wait, hold on. Oh, I want some Korean barbecue, okay. bro. Can you give us one story, right, where you went into the studio and they called you and this was, it was crazy and everything, and you woke up the next morning and you said, "Like this is what I fucking did it." Like this, yeah, is, this week. <laughs> Tell me, last okay. Wednesday, bro. Tell I me, DJ a party. I DJ a party at Sweet Chick, 
left the studio, went to the studio and did a song with Mary J. Blige and Two Chains, and Fuck it might be you. the best song I've ever done. Yeah, man. I, I love that. that. Yeah. The Queen. Mary J. sounds like it's the My Life album, Ooh. and Two Chains might be his best verse ever. I'm excited to hear this Two Chains album because yeah. Statics and, and I behind the scenes have been talking about it for a while yeah, now, time, and yeah. you, I, I feel like you are having these conversations with you. I feel like you are super excited about it, man. So yeah. I'm excited about hearing. I'm it. excited about Joey's and Two Chains, man, because I did okay. like. I did like seventy percent of Joey's album, yeah. but two chain shit. I did every song. Yeah, oh, dope, yeah that's dope, amazing. Dope. Well, there's <laughs> nothing better. We appreciate you. You're a legend. Um, also, I, let them know where they can find you, real yeah, quick. Yeah, let them know where they can find you. Shave forty five Thursday nights. I got my my tenth studio album on the way, probably wow. in, uh, September October. And uh, shout to Mass Appeal. I'm on Mass Appeal Records now. Show off Mass Appeal. Love it. Shout out to um. Shout out to Beantown, man. Look, that that answers a lot right oh, there. Oh, wow. You're the boss of Tender. <laughs> uh, give, us the, give us your uh, Instagram. At Static Select. All K- no C's, K's. And, uh, I mean, people know how to find me, man. Spell my name that. right. Spell my name right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Absolute legend. Yeah, man. Static, thank yeah, you yeah, for your sure. time. Enjoy your barbecue and yeah. time with the fam. I'm going to hit you tomorrow. I'm being yours for like two days. Hit me, man. All, all right, right, brother. Peace. peace. Peace, peace. Once again, amazing interview with Static. Oh, Thank I love you it so much. Yeah, man, really appreciate it. Awesome. Follow us on social. He is Jason Smith Music, and I am Jeff London underscore. And we are. I'm the promoter. He's the DJ. That's right. Catch us. Peace, Thank y'all. You. Thanks. Okay, I'm reloaded. Jeff London, DJ Jason Smith. Here comes the pain.